Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by G.K. Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch, Old School Crew. Love it. G.K., we'll start with you. How are you doing, my friend? I mean, I'm great. I survived the hurricane, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but no, it was great. Um, I actually got to go out and celebrate some AVP wins with some some friends out there. So that was that was a lot of fun. And uh, congrats to uh, to to the crowd for winning his first uh, Manhattan Beach Open. So. Yeah, it was awesome. I had, a, I had a great Sunday, by the way, so that's why I was not there, you guys, on Monday with you. Oh, so. there we go. There <laughs> it we was go. it was a lot of fun. So how was everybody else's weekend? Or great. So, so Sunday was, was still people out and about doing stuff? Because I was not expecting that, but it sounds like it was. So here's the thing. From what I heard, from, just from the scuttlebutt on the street, um, if you weren't out you were at home celebrating the hurricane. So there were people like drinking and like go and hanging out at their homes and like barbecuing and doing all these like crazy things in the, in the horrible weather. But yeah, people were out. They, they weren't out for long, but people were out for sure. Um, there were also a lot of places that shut down too, though. Um, my nail place just finally is opening today. Um, uh-huh. A lot of places on Manhattan Beach Pier basically closed down after like five, six o'clock. They were, they, they uh, in, the infamous Simsies, Strand House, um, to name a few, done. Um, I think I passed by Mangiamo's. There was like six people in there. <laughs> um, wow. Walk and Fitch, if you want to just like name a few people, but the good old faithfuls were, were open. Shellback was open. There we go. Them. Uh, Esperanza was open. They'll never ever open. That company will always stay open. And um, <laughs> so was uh, the infamous Hercules as well. So, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. The people no, were I was out just going to Yeah, no, go ahead, GA. I was just saying. Oh, no, 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 uh, no. That was it. <laughs> No worries. I was just saying, I was surprised Monday how, how hot it, how hot it was, you know, at midday. I mean, it stopped raining at what, like six, seven AM. Then it was like all, all cool. Good to go. Yeah. It's really, really humid outside. <laughs> um, and it's, I, it's staying that way as well. So it's, it's a little warm. It's a little, I, I, I'm very okay with it. I, I don't um, knock the humidity come August. I ch- kind of just accept it. Um, I hope it goes away in September, but we'll see. Our money buckets, did you go out there or did you stay home? 
I did not. I bailed on Jihei because <laughs> I was expecting it to be, you know, rainy and miserable. And yeah. it, it kind of it was. But Jihei was at the AVP. And um, actually, I didn't know this, but so were a few of my other friends. So I kind of was like, oh, wow. I didn't know that people were still going to go and attend. But well, I, AVP, yeah. a- AVP started early. So AVP started at 7 a.m. on Sunday. They shifted everything to the morning. So that's the reason why I can finish so quickly. So like, I think the last round was at like one o'clock, something in the afternoon when it started coming down a little bit, but not too much. So people left and they were there early. So like, if you got to the beach by like 10, you were able to see some good volleyball. Yeah. Interesting. So I mean, it was good. They they did. And the organization basically said, we'll play in the rain. We just got to get it done. Um, They did a condensed, I believe they did a condensed uh, session on Saturday, though. So Saturday was like all of the volleyball. It was a lot. Um, some of those guys, they played, uh, I'm trying to think, like at least like nine possible matches. Yeah. So it was. it's a lot, a lot of volleyball. But um, very epic, very happy for first-timers uh, to get their names etched in the sand, in the uh, the Walk of Fame on yeah. the Beach Pier. You know, and that, that stuff is permanent. <laughs> Exactly. And I had no idea the significance in terms of this being the Wimbledon of beach volleyball in terms of, you know, getting your name on that uh, pier, uh, how cool that experience is. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about USC, but I thought it was really cool last night at Crypto.com Arena. Again, Drake's having two uh, shows here. We've now seen Bronny in public twice with his father. They were at Dodger Stadium for LeBron's bobblehead night. And then Bronny and LeBron, uh, you know, tailed Drake as he walked to the stage for his performance. It, again, it's just really great to see Bronny out looking good. Um, we don't yet know in terms of, you know, when he'll be clear to play. But just, you know, good good, good to see him out with his dad and um you know, and, and the reason that, that I wanted to transition to USC is they hired a new athletic director yesterday, Jennifer Cohen, uh, who was the AD at Washington. And I think it is a really cr- critical time for the school in terms of, you know, when you look at what the uh, football team is doing, uh, top six in the country going into the season, week zero against San Jose State at the Coliseum. The, the basketball program being, you know, in terms of, where a lot of young recruits want to go they're in the conversation as well um brandon i'll just start with you in terms of you know what what is the first order of business i mean my thing is as long as the football program is going up as long as lincoln riley is happy and again prior to them naming the new athletic director they're going to build a new football um football uh what do you call it football practice facility and all that like all those crazy facilities you see at like Alabama and Texas. USC knows, again, they have a small footprint, but they realize that they have to keep up with the Joneses. And so, uh, you know, I think my personal opinion, and then I'll, 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 I will uh, get your thoughts. What is the first order of business for Jennifer Cohen? Yeah, I think that it was a hire um, basically to prepare for the Big Ten, right? Like, I, I know she did a good job at Washington. Obviously, their football program's in an excellent place. They've had a few good basketball teams, um, other sports great too. And they're also going to the Big Ten, right? So uh, I, I think that at this point, she's hired for, you know, 
I think they wanted some, not saying Mike Bone was irresponsible, but he did a lot of things without um, going to Carol and saying, you know, Carol Fult, the yeah. president, and he did a lot of things. I wouldn't say behind her back, but just without advising her first. I think they wanted someone that's really going to be transparent in every single thing they do because Mike did a great job, but it's just... You know, it wasn't it, it, there was a, like a certain lack of professionalism from what I've read and from what I've heard there. And I think she's coming in to really hone that in going into the Big Ten. And that's something where you can't you can't mess around. You know, that's a conference where you're going in. You've got to compete right away. It's a better conference all around top to bottom, except obviously like swimming and all that other stuff. Pac-12 will never get that back. You know, they were dominant at all the other sports, water polo, swimming, all that stuff. But um, I think that's why she was hired. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's important to note, and again, Carol Fultz never talked about it publicly. They uh, tried to ask her about it following the press conference yesterday. I mean, the reason why Mike Bone was let go or, you know, they, they mutually agreed to part ways was that Mike Bone reportedly, according to the Los Angeles Times, had developed a, a toxic work, workplace culture and there were other things involved. And so they, they had to part ways with them. Carol Fultz, uh, again, hasn't talked about it publicly. I don't know if that was part of some agreement um but yeah i mean again generally speaking when you've had the track record mike bone has had while at usc and it's amazing where the program is now uh compared to when he took it over he would have been celebrated he'd still have a job uh but that's obviously not the case right now from Marty Buckets, just wanted to get your quick thoughts on your school. I know you're, you're not there. You're here in Los Angeles. But looking from afar, um, you know, USC was, and I don't want to say in a similar situation because it was it, it's different. But not that long ago, maybe like about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, USC was in a similar position where, uh, you know, they, they parted ways with a very popular head coach and Pete Carroll, uh, parted ways with their athletic director, president was in hot water, really at a crossroads. And now, you know, the, the program is back where it should be or has been. As an alum, when you look at where Northwestern is at, what's their pathway towards, again, one of the more respected schools in the Big Ten, what's, what's their pathway back? I think the pathway back has to do with the new facilities because Northwestern has in, invested so much money in just state-of-the-art facilities and all across the board. Um, if you haven't been to the school, it's right on the lakefront in Chicago. And it's just, they put a, a practice facility. I think it's like a three-story practice facility, brand new as of like 2019, 2020. And those kinds of things are, are what get you recruits. Unfortunately, it seemed like the football program was just finding stability and relevance. And then obviously the the scandal happens but i feel like if you have the facilities that's step one unfortunately yeah just it it's gonna take a minute again because it, it takes a while to find that stability that's necessary but i think northwestern will return back to some sort of relevance hopefully by the end of the 2020s <laughs> i mean and, and, and you hope so because i think it's very knee-jerk i think whenever something like that happens you're quick to say, you know, you got to fire the coach. And even that there's some out there who say, you know, you got to do away with the program. And, and, you know, so I think, I think we, we, we all kind of sometimes need to take a breath and uh, figure out a, a pathway. Um, we're really a, a very proud school like that to come back. Um, 
Brandon, want to get your thoughts again? We talk about this every week, but you you, you have the unique um, um, opportunity to cover two games uh, tomorrow at the Angel Stadium. So you won't be on the show with us tomorrow, but you'll be covering uh, two games. It is a grind to cover one baseball game. I, I've often told people it is probably just from a time-consuming standpoint one of the longer events in terms of you know getting there when the clubhouse is open talking to the manager pre-game and post-game and all that good stuff um your thoughts brandon two games tomorrow i mean are, are we kind of past the point uh, like at this point are you just looking at who's going to come back next season i mean it's, it's so tough right now uh with with where th- th- they are yeah no absolutely i think the main thing with the Angels is they still think they can compete. I think they're effectively eliminated. I think you you ask anybody, they're like, okay, yeah, they're they're come on, they're effectively eliminated. Let's be real with ourselves, right? Like they're three, four games back with, or not three, four. Like they were three, four games back. Now they're like seven, eight games back of the third wild card. And to make that up in forty games, you'd have to go like, like. 28 and six or something, you know, like something crazy with like, or 28 and eight or something like to even have a chance. It's not happening. I think right now they want to see the development of Noah Shanawal, who they brought up um, very early. Uh, They want to see the development of Zach Neto when he comes back and how everybody fits. Trout's going to come back either today or tomorrow. That'll be interesting. And uh, from there, you know, I think it's about how can this team get better for next year? Can they finish strong enough to show show Shohei that, you know, hey, perhaps you compete next year? But, I mean, Shohei is the Dodger pretty much, or a Mariner in my opinion. I think it's pretty set in stone. He's not going to be with the team next year. And perhaps that's the best thing long term for, you know, Artie Moreno and the Angels to do some self-reflecting and be like, look, what do we do wrong to lose this generational talent? What do we need to do to move forward? Um, I think there's no downside of anything that happens this offseason for them because it's going to be their ninth straight losing season, possibly their ninth straight losing season, their ninth straight season under 500. My bad. Their ninth straight season missing the playoffs, not losing season, but they could still finish over 500. But if they don't, ninth straight losing season as well. So they have a lot to figure out in the offseason. It is interesting in the sense that Moreno should have sold the team, and here's why. It, it, it is very, um, when you look at what one player can do to a franchise, you know, you look at the value of the Golden State Warriors prior to the championship run that they had. They were a good team. Obviously, they're in a big market. But when they got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and had the success that they did, all of a sudden the value of the team increased. And again, I know these players come and go, but you got to strike while the, the iron is hot. And so two things have happened that, 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 that really show Moreno has, has either lost it or doesn't really care and just wants to have the team until it's like, you know, taken away from them. Um, the regional sports networks have effectively died. So, you know, their their games are on Bally Sports SoCal or Bally Sports West. That's gone. So all the money that they got from the regional sports networks will be gone at some point uh, soon. And if Shohei Otani leaves, and it's not via trade, he, he just walks, and as you said, either goes to the Dodgers or somewhere else, like just look at the value of that team. And then at some point, Trout... And I would advise him to do this. Is going to say, listen, guys, 
I don't want to be here anymore. I, I, I want to demand a trade. I know it's a very comfortable life. I know when you're when 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 you're there, it, it, you know you're you're living in like Newport Beach or somewhere beautiful like that. And but at some point, when you're trout, when you're Shohei Otani, you want to play significant baseball. So I'll open it up to the uh, group. You know, if if you were Mike Trout and you don't have to be like an expert in baseball, take it to whatever sport. You 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 want to compete, right? Like card money buckets. If you are a a, tra- a transcendent talent, if you're a generational talent, and every season you're on a team that's below five hundred and not competing, at some point, yes, the money is great. Yes, you like where you live, but at some point, gosh darn it, you you want to compete for a championship, right? Of course, and Mike Trout uh, is 32 years old, so that has to factor in as well. If I was in his shoes, absolutely, I want to be remembered in big moments because in any sport, in any in any category of sport, people are going to remember your postseason successes more than anything else. And for Mike Trout to have none under his belt, considering he's been the face of baseball, I would say, for the last decade, it's it's hard to it's hard to even fathom. Um, so yes, if I was in his shoes, if Shohei leaves, I would have to request for a trade, and I, I would want to go somewhere where I could compete to actually play in October. Yeah, um, I'll add I'll add there. I I think that you know he grew up a Phillies fan. It makes the most sense. They can't pay him though, right? Because they have Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Cal Schwarber, all those guys. Perhaps the Yankees. I know it sounds terrible. No one really wants to see Mike Trout as a Yankee, but um, you know that's a team that can pay him. They're going to have some money, you know, um, coming up once they get off of Stanton's contract in a few years, and of course Josh Donaldson and a few other guys. I, I think Trout will give it a year or two, but I think it's going to be hard for him emotionally without Shohei Otani next year because he really wants him to stay. And Shohei needs to do what's best for him, and that's leave. I hate to say it, like that's what's best for his career. I, you know, yeah. it'd be great. It'd be great for the fans, for the Angels fans, for him to stay. But it's the best thing for Otani's career if he leaves. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I, unfortunately, I think um, you can only be loyal to a fault, and then once you, you know, losing takes its toll on people, man. Like yeah. emotionally. Physically, I'm sure that these guys are just sitting here going like, dude, I didn't sign up for this. You know, you, you wanted to. And didn't Shohei choose Anaheim? Or sorry. Yeah, originally. Anaheim. Originally. Yeah, originally, yeah, no, he did. He, he chose did, yeah. To be th- he chose to be there. So I'm sure that he saw something that he was comfortable with, that he saw the potential, especially having a generational talent like Trout as well as a generational talent in him as well. But eventually, you're going to get sick of losing. And you're going to yeah. get, especially if you're Shohei, I mean, he just won the world, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, once you win that, don't you want to win a World Series? Isn't that like the next step? I mean, I'm technically, wouldn't you want to win a World Series first and then win the Worlds? But still, you want to keep winning. And to have to go back to Anaheim and continue to lose, ugh, that's got to be disheartening. So I don't blame him if he wants to bounce. You know, if he, if, you know, he uh, plays out his contract this year and then he wants to go. Um, I'd love for him to be a Dodger. <laughs> so if that happens, it'd be great. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just think like any place, no offense to the Angels is better for him than Anaheim. 
I mean, that was the moment that, that I thought, you know, both Mike Trout and Shohei Otani playing in those big situations, World Baseball Classic, going head-to-head in the championship game. And people are watching that jokingly saying, can you imagine if Mike Trout and Shohei Otani were on the same team? And of course, they are and have been. But when you're playing big baseball like that, you're playing for a world championship, and and then you come back to your club and again, you're, you're once again, and you have these moments where it looks like they can do something, but at the end of the day, they 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 don't, and it's just really frustrating, and it, 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 it has to be because you only have a a a peak for a certain time in your career. You 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 have these moments where you know you are competing, and you're uh, listen one of the best players in the world, Brandon. That's got got to be tough, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's 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 got to be just frustrating for both Trout and Otani. They said this year was the year. They wanted to make the playoffs. They're going to do it. All that stuff, right? And it just didn't happen. I mean, even Carlos Estevez was like, oh, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to do everything we can to make it. And yeah, just not yeah. happening. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they uh, do again, um, you know, just locally speaking. Hopefully Shohei Otani stays in Los Angeles. It would be great to continue to cover him and be able to go to those games. Uh, but let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend from the Sporting Tribune, Fredo Cervantes. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears... We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now. And joining us, our good friend from the Sporting Tribune, Fredo Cervantes. Fredo, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. How's everyone doing this morning? We are doing fabulous. Uh, Before we... uh, lead into the big news about what you'll be doing this upcoming uh, season. Why don't we get your thoughts on the uh, Chargers uh, preseason game uh, on Sunday against the Saints. Again, there was a lot of uh, talk about whether that game would happen with the hurricane. It, it actually wasn't too bad. I, I went to, to the game. Certainly raining, not ideal, but it wasn't uh, that bad. The performance, however, of the Chargers wasn't that great. Uh, Fredo, again, preseason, we know, but what were your big takeaways from that game? 
I mean, some of the takeaways from that game was uh, letting us know that we somewhat kind of have a backup quarterback in, you know, and Easton Stick, you know, Easton Stick's been in the league for five years now, um, entering his fifth season right now. And, you know, he did seem to show, you know, he can run the ball. Uh, he can uh, move out of the pocket. Um, and as well, he can throw the ball as well. Even though he threw uh, two interceptions, he did complete the full game on Saturday, which is something he never really does during the preseason, which is the only time he really gets to play. So this kind of showed us a full game of him. But as well, it, it lets you know that uh, Quentin Johnson, when he gets the opportunity, he gets targeted. He's going to make a catch. He was only targeted uh, three times in this game on Sunday night, and he caught all three balls. He caught a total of 43 yards uh, throughout the game. But it's, it's something that Brandon Staley does normally he does not play his some of his starters uh throughout preseason which is typically whatever everyone does same thing that Sean McVay does so um it, it's it's pretty good to see that the Chargers kind of showed some life late in the game because it seemed like early on in the game it was not going to work out uh, it seemed like the Saints really got on top of them but uh the second half the, uh, the defense actually played pretty good as well so that was one thing that a lot of uh, people saw and of course former UCLA uh U USC Thule was out there just making some very important in place for the defense, which is really going to help out the, throughout the regular season. And then a uh, big uh, game, Fredo, week zero. It's interesting, college football, we have week zero, but USC, first uh, game of the regular season, first home game at the Coliseum, playing San Jose State. You'll be helping us on the USC beat this uh, this year. You'll, you'll, you'll be out of practice this week. Yes. Uh, again, we're, we're not yet in uh, the first game of the season, but as you head out, uh, to practice, and as you begin to kind of c cover this team, your thoughts on USC? Again, they 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 come into the season ranked sixth, uh, highest ranking that they've had in about six years, I think. Uh, certainly, college football playoffs is the goal. Your thoughts on the Trojans going into the season? I mean, going into the season right now, the Trojans are going to be playing uh, three straight home games, which is going to be very good and beneficial for them to stay here in Los Angeles, uh, stay at home, staying within that routine. And the, yeah, they are playing uh, three teams that are maybe not the best ones at all, but you do have Stanford there and that second week, which is technically week three for them. Um, it's going to be very good. San Jose State, you know, that's not going to be much of a challenge. Um, you know, Caleb Williams, it just seems like seeing what he did last year, coming off that Heisman Trophy season, which has been one of the most spectacular seasons that I've seen, even though Utah got uh, the best part of him, but you saw how he got banged up late in the season and he was still able to fight through it. And I remember watching that game and just seeing him uh, keep his team in the game and you know the coach was uh, sticking with them and it shows you how much heart and how much he loves his game which is this season i can see something very special coming out of usc and of course i will be attending practice later on today as well uh fredo there's a lot of thought about los angeles and i've often said listen when everything's right it is a lakers dodgers town it's one and one a i really believe when usc's on and and contending for a championship like they are this season they are right there at number three just as someone who grows who has grown up in los angeles do you agree i mean i i really think when usc is going and i this is the most excited i've been coming in into a season as i was when they had matt liner and bush and carol uh is that about right it's lakers dodgers and then usc 
No, you're 100% right about that because, yeah, you know, growing up here in Los Angeles prior to 2016 um, and before, what, 1992-93, before uh, both teams left from Los Angeles, there was no football around here yeah. besides USC football and UCLA football. But USC football in the early 2000s, that's when it really, really took off. Um, and it gave this city something to really uh, cheer for because everyone you ask them, like, hey, what's your football team? Well, USC. And it's like they didn't really go for an NFL football team prior to now. And, you know, of course, there were lots of Rams fans still, lots of Raider fans here in the community, and now newly Charger fans moving up from the South. But it, it it is a, a good thing when USC is great because when they're great, people come out and watch them. They fill up the Coliseum, you know, having a Coliseum full of USC fans and football fans is a great thing for the city. Um, but you, you, you technically have the, yeah, the Lakers, you have the Dodgers, you have USC. And then right under that, I, I guess you gotta, you have to go with the Rams right after that. Yeah. I've, I've tried to explain this to Armani buckets that, you know, no matter what the Clippers do, um, it's, it's, just, it's almost impossible. Now, listen, I, I have driven past uh, the construction going on at the $2 billion in Tua Dome. I do think that that will help. You know, it did, certainly will help yes. to have their own home. But, but Armani Buckets, I mean, like, like, do, you, do you still think that, listen, like, well, let's just say, you know, the Clippers continue to be competitive. Now, I'm going to give them a championship. Like, let's say that they win a championship in a few years. I mean, I, I just think it is going to be really hard to compete with the Lakers. And again, it's not unlike the Yankees and the Mets. I mean, the Mets have their fans. There's no disrespect there. And by the way, the Mets have won a World Series. But you're not the Yankees. It would take 25 to 30 years of the Lakers <laughs> being not good and the Clippers winning probably multiple championships. But the new the new stadium is a step. And then also, I really like how Steve Ballmer has put the Clippers logo kind of all over Los Angeles, for better or for worse. He's marketed it well. You go to the parks, all the backboards have a Clippers logo on it, which I think it helps, but obviously nothing matters if you can't win. And so if they don't win, then this is a moot point. But... I don't know, Fredo, what do you think? Do you think the Clippers, by the way, I'm not saying they would catch up with the Lakers. I'm just saying it would be potentially maybe like a 70 to 30 split. And I'm talking 25 to 30 years from now, if all, okay. all that happens. I think you're being generous, but I don't <laughs> want to go on <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, honestly, it, it's. I think it's going to be a generational kind of thing. You know, it, it, it reminds me about the similarities of uh, what happened with the Los Angeles Rams a few years ago. Like prior to you no know, Rams being here for a while, um, now the new generation, they saw a team win a championship in Los Angeles, saw them win it at their own home at SoFi, and they build a lot of fan base. And with the Clippers, after Bomber got them, they build that fan base, but that fan base has kind of been backing off a little bit because it's kind of like well we're not winning anything we're, we we got the players we maybe don't have the right coach at times but they can't seem to get over that hump and it's been for almost what 40 50 years they've been trying to do something and it's still not working so will they ever win something i really hope so for their own sake i really hope they do win something of course a new arena it is going to look spectacular one of the uh, most beautiful arenas because you know steve bomber's building it but at the end of the day they got to show out and, and play and win and i think honestly 
if the Clippers got to win something, they got to move on from Kawhi Leonard. I think that w- that was a, a bad move. And, you know, he just seems not to be healthy and not to be able to give it his all and to actually compete for a title. Right of the uh, Sparks had their biggest win of the season going on the road, going to Las Vegas and beating them. Yes. Uh, um, they've won four in a row. They've, they've, they've sort of had the pieces where you, you, you kept thinking with this team, maybe if they can put it all together, maybe if they can get healthy, they can go on a run here. Fredo, they're in the playoff picture now. Could this team, I'm not saying that they're going to win it all, I'm not saying they're going to go to the finals, but you know, winning four straight and beating the best team in the league, what do you think about them right now? I mean, that is uh, the biggest win of the season so far for them to go into Las Vegas on primetime on ABC National Television Sunday afternoon. And they went down there and it's not like they got, you know, they got over the hump in the fourth quarter. No, they, they were leading by almost double digits in the first quarter at the end. And then throughout the second quarter and the third quarter, they maintained that lead. And it, it was not till the fourth quarter where it kind of came a little more close to the wire. But you got to give a lot of credit to the defensive side of the ball because uh, Coach Kurt Miller has been um, – on them all year long, even though they were in an eight-game losing streak, the worst of French and their franchise history, but he maintained that defensive side of the ball. He's like, if you're not going to play defense, I'm not going to put you out there. And that was something that he was very uh, vocal about uh, throughout the season. And right now, Jordan Canada has been just spectacular. I've, I, I've seen a lot of basketball, uh, WNBA, uh, but when I look at guards, you do have Arike Ogumbawale out there. You do have Jewel Lloyd. Um, you do have uh, Chelsea Gray, but when you look at Jordan Canada, who can give you on both sides of the ball, she can get, stop the best uh, offensive player on your team, and at the end of the day, she can take that game-winning shot and take that drive or kick it out to a teammate, which is something she's done all year long. She d- definitely deserves a lot of credit, but the other pieces around, too, you Look at um, Azure Stevens, uh, who just came over this season from the Chicago Sky uh, Championship Experience mentality. Uh, you also had Yerika Hamby, Championship Series mentality coming over from Vegas. Uh, but right now, they will be facing the Phoenix Mercury this um, tomorrow at the Galen Center. They will be yeah. at the Galen Center tomorrow night, uh, which is going to be a great showdown. Uh, Brittany Griner will be back in town here and. Phoenix is not so good right now, but seeing in the position that the Sparks are right now, they are about two and a half games behind the fifth spot. So now they are pretty close. Hopefully um, Atlanta drops a few games and maybe the Mystics drop a few games and they do face Atlanta this Friday night in Atlanta as well. So that'll be a very important game for them. Huge, huge game. Um, Brandon, I want to get your thoughts here. I want to get the whole crew's thoughts here. Uh, I thought one of the biggest surprising things in the off season, not that Austin Reeves came back to the Lakers. We knew that that was going to happen. The big question is, you know, who was going to give him that contract that the Lakers had to match? And we said the Lakers are going to match whatever contract it is. We thought that the Spurs may give him, what, you know, a four-year, 100-plus million-dollar contract. Now, according to our good friend Jovan Bua, the Spurs did consider that. In fact, they kind of put that contract together. It never got to the point that they actually gave him that contract to sign, which, again, the Lakers would have matched. So the Lakers end up getting Austin Reeves on a four-year, $53 million contract, a, a great deal. Um, I am still amazed, though, that a, that a rival didn't put them in a position of having to pay twice that. Brandon, did that surprise you? Oh yeah, it surprised me because if, you know, if they were, because the Lakers offered Reeves as much as they could um, with, you know, 
unless they had to match it, unless another team came out and was like, okay, you know, we can give you four years, $95 million, then the Lakers could have matched that, but that would have restricted their cap long-term. They would have had to, you know, uh, figure out a way over that four-year contract to make the money work along with the cap. And they would have been, you know, it would have been tough financially. So I'm surprised the Spurs didn't at least try to do that to hard cap the Lakers. The Rockets, it makes sense because, um, you know, they went after Dylan Brooks. They went after Fred Van Fleet. You know, they already had all those guys, all that money tied up in like four dudes. So that's why the Rockets didn't go after But the Spurs, who'd they get in the offseason? Nobody, right? So they yeah. had the money. So it did surprise me a lot. Our money bucket, did that surprise you again? And I think you mentioned it. I know we had talked about it. We fully expected one team to give him that 400, sorry, four-year, 100-plus million-dollar deal. Uh, again, the Lakers would have matched it, I believe. At the end of the day, the Lakers got to keep him for four years, 53 million. We've talked about it a lot on this show that other teams like to make life difficult for the Lakers. And I was really surprised from that aspect. You know, this is, this is simple. If, if you're a fan of the game, the Lakers have always been relevant. If you can make life more difficult, if you're one of the 29 other teams, I would think that you would try to do so. And with the Spurs already, you know, Greg Popovich's history of not wanting to help the Lakers and not wanting to see the Lakers succeed, it seemed like a common sense move for them. But now the Lakers got a great deal. Austin Reeves looks amazing on Team USA. And, you know, I think that the, the Spurs and the rest of the Western Conference will regret that in the future. Fredo, I was amazed, uh, or uh, not amazed, but I thought it was kind of interesting when you look at where he was a year ago. When the Lakers uh, announced their schedule for the upcoming season, they had this beautiful caricature of their big three. It was LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Your thoughts on his development? And again, he's playing so well for Team USA right now. No, he's playing uh, terrific. And yeah, his development, I kind of really didn't see it coming like that. And him kind of become i mean it seems like it, the way the way it shows right now he's kind of becoming the third star of the lakers even though you do have a d'angelo russell a little more experience um but austin reeves game is just so smooth that he, uh everyone wants to play with him like he mm. he does all the dirty little things out there on the court he'll hustle for the ball he'll guard the best player he just gets in your grill and there was times that he's up there and uh the opposite players they get annoyed and sometimes whether it, it makes it uncomfortable for them and that's a defensive strategy that he uses and right now he, watching his success as well on a higher level which is on team usa just it's a great thing for him himself and just seeing that any player out there that even though you go undrafted in the league, just believe. And if you take the belief like him, you believe like Alex Caruso and other guys have gone through the South Bay Lakers development as well. And of course, give major credit to the Joey brothers, uh, to the Buzz brothers who are the scouts out there. They are the ones that are finding these guys out there. So give a lot of credit to the Buzz family as well for that. No doubt about that. I, I don't think that they get enough credit, uh, perhaps because of their last name, but they've done an amazing job drafting and scouting. Uh, Fredo, I wanted to get your thoughts on the retirement of Fernando Valenzuela's uh, jersey. It was a big moment, uh, long time coming. I know the Dodgers have generally followed suit in saying we're not going to retire a, the number of a player who's not in the Hall of Fame. I've often felt that there's special circumstances that uh, that, that you that 
that that's not the case. And what Fernando meant to the Dodgers and the community, uh, he deserved that moment. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, uh, again, congratulations to the great Fernando Valenzuela, the number 34. Uh, a lot of people call him El Toro. Um, he's out there uh, doing his thing. You know, when he came out here, what was it, 1979, 1980, uh, coming out here as a young kid from Mexico, really didn't know the language at all. Um, and for him to come out here and perform the way he did, uh, winning in, in 1981 against the Yankees and, you know, and just pitching those great years, even though in 88 he was not that same player anymore, but he was still effective out there. But his his longevity that he had that decade in the 80s with the Dodgers was just spectacular that, you know, you had to be a Dodger fan or a very good baseball fan to really follow and see everything that he did. And, and especially what he meant to the community here in Los Angeles, because right here in Los Angeles, there is a big uh, Mexican community here, uh, a great support system as well for all these players. And, you know, I remember one story that my dad told me years ago about Fernando Valenzuela. He was like, look, I was, I was at the game in 1983, 84. He was like, I got a chance to see him. He played, he pitched he was like one of the best pitchers to I've ever seen and my dad's seen a lot of baseball in his time so when he told me about some stories about Fernando um and I did get a chance to meet Fernando back in 2005 I was a kid I believe I was like uh, 15 years old and I did get an autograph from him at an autograph session at Dodger Stadium I thought that was like the moment of my life as well meeting Fernando just getting his autograph as a kid but you know it, that that was the spectacular thing that the Dodger ownership did even though he is um you know, of course, like they mentioned, they need players to be in the Hall of Fame in order for them to be retired. But the Dodgers did a great thing for Fernando Valenzuela and showing respect. Real quick before we close out, two minutes left. Darmani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch. Uh, we talked about the James Harden comments. He uh, got fined today a hundred thousand uh, dollars because uh, you know, you know, basically insinuating that Daryl Morey was lying. And anyway, so the league investigated it, found there was not there was nothing there. Really quick. I mean, $100,000 to James Harden is not a lot. That is uh, one night in Las Vegas. But uh, your thoughts on that <laughs> fine? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, apparently, yeah, I'm reading the story now, a substantial fine. But this is just the beginning of what's going to happen because if he doesn't show up, he's going to be getting this kind of fine on the regular basis daily, similar to what Ben Simmons got. So that's what I'm expecting to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Maury and Harden, this is just the start. They're going to make things difficult for each other. This is a war. Maury's one of the most prideful, uh, stubborn people in basketball. And he's smart, but he's stubborn and prideful. So I expect this to not be uh, resolved soon. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be like a long, uh, drawn out divorce, right? <laughs> Between two people. I think that that's what we can equivocate that to. And both of these people are stubborn. Let's just not give Maury the benefit of the doubt but James Harden isn't exactly going to be easy on him either so exactly and by the way I, I I still fully expect James Harden to be here in Los Angeles playing for, for the Clippers it'll be a long and windy road but we'll see uh if that day comes uh Fredo uh thank you so much for hopping on best of luck out there looking forward to your coverage at the Sporting Tribune uh on USC uh this week and this season uh that's all the time we have for today let's do it again tomorrow until then this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy this is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.